Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So it's Hoppers 9 UK time, Hoppers 10. Paris time and as we come to you, Igor Svantec, the defending French Open champion, is a set and a break up over Marta Kostyuk of uh, of Matt's Dame du Jour fame. Uh, more of that, I'm sure, to come. Or maybe not much more of that if she does go on to lose this match throughout the course of the podcast recording. Maybe we'll be conveniently forgetting that. Uh, but even assuming Svantec does go on to win this match, which you would back her to do from this point, she hasn't had it all her own way tonight. And I guess you can you can read that two ways. You know, the fact that she's on course for a straight set victory, brackets potentially soon to be out of date tennis news, you know, even when she's not playing her best, that is, that's a great thing. And that is the sign of a champion. But equally, if you're, if you're anybody else left in the drawer in the locker room, this might be the sort of performance that, that gives you just a tiny bit of hope that there are, chinks in the Sviontek armour. What do we think, David? Hello, by the way. Yeah, hello. <laughs> and hello, Matt. Uh, but hello. I am pretty transfixed by this match, so uh, I'll try and concentrate on what I'm saying. But uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is a good match for Sviontek, even even though she's been tested. it's The scoreline is pretty one-sided as as it looks at the moment. She has had a lot to handle in this match. I think Marta Kostyuk has been fantastic. Mm. I, I, I don't think I've seen full matches of hers before. I've only seen snippets. She is bringing it. She smacks her backhand. Some of the rallies side to side. She has given Sviontek all she can handle within rallies it's just that quite often it's Fiontek who hits the final shot in them she finds ways around and over and in front of to beat an opponent that I just don't think Kostyuk and the vast majority of players in the world come across a player like Igor Fiontek she's I mean it's there are other players that do do this stuff when they're absolutely bang on like Ash Barty and Naomi Osaka but 
Roland Garros, and it, this is the second time now in less than a year, she's proving how head and shoulders above everybody else she is. Now, we'll see if she wins the tournament. But if she plays like she's playing, I don't, I don't see how you stop her. I really don't. Yeah, I think I read this as a pretty ominous performance from her. Um, Kostiuk's throwing everything at her. I think she's got the athleticism to be able to hang with Sviontek in a lot of these rallies. And so many of them have been incredible exchanges, you know, exchanging power and scrambling to get balls back. It's just been, it's just been so impressive. And Kostiuk's sort of drive and intensity on the points is, is something to really admire, I think as well. But as David says, most of the time Sviontek's managing to still come out on top. Um, Just feels like, she has real trust and belief in her game at the moment. And maybe Kostiuk is a little little less stable, perhaps. You know, it, it sort of comes and goes. It's a bit more flashes where Sviontek is kind of there all the time. But yeah, I mean, I thought that first set was probably the best set of the day in terms of two people playing well at the same time. The mm. intensity of it was just was just great. The formula definitely for Matt's picks is smooth double-handed backhand, isn't it? I think I've I've found you out, Matt. I can't really remember Cosmovers. No one can remember anything about her, David. Uh, but yeah, no, is that not? Would that not be fair? That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I am I am biased towards is, an is excellent it backhand. In, in whom you see yourself, Matt. <laughs> If only I saw some of myself <laughs> in these players. Um, look, she's she's still fighting. She is she's still giving it everything. She's still giving that ball a thwack, and in fact, she does have break back point on the Shvontek serve. She has been breaking the Shvontek serve tonight. Look, she's she's not going away. She's making a match of this at every stage, and she's she's drawing errors from Shvontek. But there's just no panic mm. in Shvontek about mm. the fact that she's not playing her best. She's so cool-headed and look we're going to talk we're going to talk about lots of wonderful things about Lorenzo Mazzetti tonight I'm sure all of us spent two hours being dazzled by Lorenzo Mazzetti just as everybody in the tennis world was this afternoon but Iga Sviontek is only nine months older than Lorenzo Mazzetti. And a lot of what we'll say about Mazzetti, I'm sure, will come down to his age and the fact that that this is part of a learning curve and the sort of the the physical frailty which I believe was linked to, to the mental, the inability to to sustain the pressure required to win a match over top top players. You know, we we forgive an awful lot of an awful lot of that because of his age. Well, and and rightly so. But Igor Sviontek is nine months older, and the level of relentlessness that we've just come to take for granted from her, and the amount of pressure that she's dealing with without even really showing it, and therefore we also take that for granted. You know, even Fabrice Santori even asked her about it, didn't he? After her last win, he said, oh, "I always see you out and about in the players' lounge, and you look so easy breezy." And she cut in and she said, "Well, I'm obviously a great actress." Then there's an awful lot about Shvantec that that we take for granted because she makes it look second nature, and it's not because she is just turned twenty years old, and this is extraordinary what we're seeing from her. 
Yeah, it, it is that age that really, and and I know we have seen sixteen-year-olds and even younger in years and years gone by. But the game's changed. She just, the game has changed, and she feels like a fully developed tennis player already uh, at age nineteen. And I mean, I dare say she she'll probably end up getting even better. But the, the, probably the most interesting thing about her for me, aside from what, what you see on it on the court with her game, is her mental approach and the way she deals with situations. I just find her a very interesting person mm. and clearly hyper intelligent. And um, yeah, I I just I hope this carries on. I hope she, I mean she'll get threats. She'll get all sorts. There's so so much depth of quality in the women's game right now, that there will be players to challenge her all, all the time. But I hope she sustains her level because it's, it enriches the game. And for anyone, for anyone screaming at their podcasting device, well, Musetti had to play best of five and Svantec only has to play best of three. Give her the chance to play best of five and then we'll see. Give her the chance. Mm. She'll rise, and, but that's it. not. I mean, and that's not. I don't think you are. That's not to denounce what um, or do down what Mazzetti did, or or is able to do in the future. I think he is just not fully ready yet. I mean, he's so new. This is his first ever Grand Slam. Um, Absolutely, I, right. I don't mean to make I, I, that comparison to do to be down on Mazzetti. I, I I I just mean that because Shontek's won one of these things and is now on the way to backing it up and she's just so established and so so much that's great about her is taken for granted it's easy to forget that she is not even in the same same age bracket she's you know they'd be in the same school year mm. um and yeah i'm sure you could you could point to the best of 5 and best of 3 difference but i i don't I don't think that's that significant. So, Iga Svantec is a game away. In fact, a couple of points away. In fact, one point away uh, from reaching a quarterfinal where she would slash will face Maria Sakkari, um, who reached a first ever Grand Slam quarterfinal today. For some reason, I thought she'd already reached one. Obviously, she hasn't. And, you know... Once it became apparent that this was her first, I suddenly realised, yeah, of course she hasn't. But I've, I've already, I've already filed her away in the Grand Slam quarterfinalist cabinet of my brain uh, before she was actually, you know, her her tour level results were that of a Grand Slam quarterfinalist, and and this felt only a matter of time. Um, and she has now achieved it. She beat Sophia Kennan today very comprehensively, six one six three. Uh, and that loss for Kenin, the fourth seed, four seed, means that Schwantek is the only top 10 player left in this draw. Mm. Wow. that That is not something I expected at all at the start of this event. I mean, that it has taken me aback just how many of the of the very top names, the players in form, have been bowled over. I mean, I think to some degree it does show how many excellent players there are in women's tennis right now, that there are others that can step up. And I, and I, th- I agree with you, Zachary doesn't feel like a player hasn't reached a quarterfinal before. And then there have been a lot of injuries as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's surprising to me. Mm. And she's had a really tough route, I think, Zachary, in the last two matches. She's beaten Mertens and Kenin. They are established players at Grand Slams who 
you really kind of have to go through. And I think the win over Mertens in particular was such a boost to Sakari's confidence. She looked awesome today against Ken. I didn't see huge amounts of the match, but what I did see was a fired up, brilliant Maria Sakari. And I think, I just think she got a boost from sort of squeezing through against Mertens and winning in tight moments. Players always talk about how much confidence they gain from wins like that. And it just seemed that she was a confident player who knew what she was trying to do on the court today. And Kenin, Kenin was a real shadow of herself, I must say, from from what I saw. Um, I think she'd been building up a little bit of momentum in this tournament, but just took a bit of a step back today. And I'm I'm sure we'll say similar things about Sloane Stevens a, a little bit later. But oh, can we just get that out of the way now? Mm, that was re- that was a real. Shame, I must it say. It was a bummer of a performance. Look, I, I love Barbara Krujikova and I'm sure once David Law speaks, Barbara Krujikova fans will not be disappointed because he is he is feverish uh, mm. with excitement about Barbara Krujikova. But it it was a it was a real bummer of a performance from Sloane Stevens, wasn't it? I I have her in my mind as somebody that she's either there in a tournament or she's not. And I decided she was there this tournament. She'd shown enough that she was there and she'd in it, but she was in it and she might get outplayed, but she was in this and she'd bring it. And she didn't she didn't bring anything today. She was completely flat. Mm. Six, was she two, allowed to be anything six, else? Two, six, love. David, I, I don't care how good the opponent is. Sloane Stevens should not be losing six, two, six, love. I, I mean, I, in a I, mean, fourth I, I round. agree, but but I thought Krachikova just stomped on her from ball one. Yeah, she did. She she made a really fast start and got ahead. But I think there were points in that match where Krachikova wasn't having to do a lot. Stevens was missing. It was was really lackluster. You know that that spark that she's had all tournament mm. just wasn't there. Um, I think it was. Barely an hour. Um, and yes, Krejcikova was a step ahead and was out manoeuvring her all the time. And she was a joy to watch. But Sloane Stevens on her day makes that a match, even mm. with Krejcikova playing that well. And, you know, I mean, she's she's upbeat about her tournament generally. You know, she knows that she's not been playing well and this was a regression to that form. But gosh, I'm with you, Catherine. I, I thought Sloane Stevens was onto something this tournament. Mm. And it just we were didn't mutually bummed out we were. by that performance. <laughs> I mean, but I, then to I, I balance it all her. out was David Law <laughs> and Babs. The, yeah, well, the duo. just on just on Stevens, I, I I love watching her just as much as you both do. But I I don't think I felt as confident that she could go all the way mm. because I think I can feel the scar tissue of of so many others when she has had a bad day. She has too many bad days. She doesn't, you're right. She doesn't turn up sometimes and you don't quite know why all, all the time. I, I think I, I have more faith in a Coco golf, for instance, to just turn up and bring it and be, be on it. But then she hasn't had, she hasn't had the successes, but she hasn't had the, the number of defeats. And I suspect that does make a difference. Hmm. David, Barbara Krujikova fans are waiting. Mm-hmm. Well, she was amazing. And that's two in a row now where 
It's no, it's no accident, is it? These are top players. Alina Svitolina followed by Sloane Stephens. And between them, she's allowed them seven games. Oof. You know, she's one heck of a player. And she's got such a grounding through having become such a good doubles player first. Again, it's just such a similar trajectory to, to Jana Novotna. And, and she can do everything well. Um, with confidence and not having... It's all fresh and exciting to her. You can see that on the court. And yet she seems still seems to maintain this poise about knowing where she wants to put the ball. Very clear-eyed. Sviantek's got that as a player. You know, you can see the intent in the strokes with the best players. And and I think Mazzetti had it for two sets. You know, those are the players that I always think, they're not just hitting balls. There's a point to this. And... Uh, I think it's really exciting watching her develop because I just didn't I wouldn't have known that she was capable of that personally until until even a few weeks ago probably. Mm. I wonder if she did. Well, reading she did a really good interview in the New York Times with Ben Rothenberg a while back and you know there was clearly major doubt in her mind as to whether she belonged which I find really interesting because you don't see that on the court now at all, not in her body language, not in the way she strikes the tennis ball. But she'd been on the fringes for ages, just trying to get into these draws um, and ending up in qualifying. You get the sense she would kind of panic, wouldn't go through, didn't really know whether she was a singles player, having all this amazing success in doubles. So what do you do? You can't play them both sometimes because your rankings are so different. Um and then, and then, it, for whatever reason, she cracked it, and now it just all looks possible to her. Mm. All of it. Well, how much of it, David? Coco Goff well, in the quarterfinals. Oh dear, that is a match <laughs> on paper. That. I, I really don't know who's going to win that because, whereas with with Ons Jaber, I, I didn't think for a minute that Ons Jaber was going to beat Coco Goff. To be quite honest, today and. Um, Kritikov is a different proposition. I think she matches her physically, quite similar builds and strokes. And oh, that's going to be very interesting. I don't know who's going to win that. Mm, three and one for for Goff against Jabir today. And uh, as Hannah uh, Wilkes of Tennis Podcast Twitter fame said to us in our WhatsApp chat today, he said, "Remember, remember when Coco Goff's serve was was a real problem? No, me neither." <laughs> it was an amazing serving performance. I think she lost nine points on it in the whole match. And I remember when I first saw Coco Goff play was Junior Wimbledon in 2018. Just went out to watch her. There was a lot of talk about oh, her. Oh, yeah. This is classic, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, certain, I was certainly not the first to discover Coco Goff. I only went because people were talking about her. But then her serve stood out as a weapon. It was a huge serve. So I've always been quite confused as to why the serve has been the weakness because that was the thing I remembered from first watching her, that her serve was great. But it really seems she's tightened it up this year. I mean, the double faults are, are going. She says she just feels so much more confident on the court that she's not going to hit the double faults. It's a, it was a totally mental thing. I think those double faults and she seems to be on top of that now and 
my goodness, she was brilliant today. Completely unbothered by what Ons Jabeur had to offer. Just neutralised her with her depth of shot, her brilliant movement, angles to open up the court, anticipation. I mean, the match point sort of said everything. Jabeur was manoeuvring her around the court and Goff was just getting everything back and then hit a brilliant passing shot to win it. I, I'm amazed by how tight and solid her game looks suddenly. There there seem to be no real chinks and she's got this determination and this hunger about her as well. She's just doing it, isn't she? She's not she's a story, but she's not the story. No, it's just by business. by a long shot, she's just doing it. Um, and yeah, she's just, just going about her business and that's extraordinary. She's, if she, if she hadn't done everything she'd done up to this point, she would be a bigger story because she'd be a 17 year old reaching the quarterfinals of, of Grand Slam. I mean, that's, that's extraordinary in itself, but you know, for her, it's just a stepping stone and a milestone and you know, what's next? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what's next is Barbora Krajikova. I think Goff's winning that. I think. We shall see. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've just had a result, Catherine. We did. Svantec is through. We don't have to re-record the first 20 minutes of this podcast. Hooray. <laughs> so it is. Andy Murray's just tweeted about it. What? Andy, Murray, Andy says, Murray just what? re-found his Twitter password? <laughs> is that what's yes. happened? think so he didn't tweet for about five years and now he's correct tweeting about what he had for dinner pretty much <laughs> love watching egish fiontech big heart i mean that's not I even mean, that like interesting i mean that, is that worth emojis getting back on twitter for it's not <laughs> Come you know on, Catherine, you gotta it's love not that. searing analysis is it no, but well, it's last just time he did that, he, he, lovely. he cursed Caroline well, yeah, Garcia that's true. forever, and he's still that's still keeping him up at night. I think <laughs> it's great though. That it's great, it yeah, is. yeah. It's great. I just don't understand it. <laughs> what does it tell us about Andy Murray and what's going on mm. in his world? Because he, he's but, had all these thoughts for months yeah. and years, and why now? These why aren't is he, new. Why thoughts. is he tweeting now? Yeah, because he's found his password. <laughs> I don't, it's, I, there's a story there. We just don't know what it is. He was getting all, he was wading in on the Roger Federer withdrawal. He's, yeah. Backing him up, He's having he? thoughts and he's letting us know about them. Um, like it. Do you remember when he just went through that period where he'll, he would post like an ironic picture on, on Instagram and that was like what you got from Andy Murray on social media for a year. I, I always like it when people try to actually read in to his state of mind <laughs> based on his Twitter and Instagram activity. Of course, um, that's the modern world, David. Yeah. Yeah. But when he disappears, people decide he's, oh, going through a bad patch, hasn't posted on Instagram for four minutes. Mm. <laughs> So those are your quarterfinalists from the top half of the women's draw. Goff against Krajikova and Sakari against Svantec. And of course, yesterday we had Rabatkina setting up a quarterfinal against Pavlichenkova and Zidansek against Badosa. I haven't combed through all of our predictions, but I don't think anybody had that lineup. <laughs> no. 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 I had two. If anybody had three, I think you should get 
sort of a bonus million points for that. <laughs> Let's we'll, we'll if we have any time in the day tomorrow, we'll try and have a look see if anybody got three of those eight because I think that is blooming good going. If you did. Uh, so then let's get on to the men's matches that we had today. Obviously, we had one fewer than we would have been expecting because we didn't have Roger Federer against Matteo Bertini. We did have Matteo Bertini uh, putting up on social media a picture of his, what I think was his handshake at the net after being just trounced by Federer at Wimbledon two years ago. And saying, oh, I'm really sad not to have played you today. I'm really sad not to have had the opportunity to be be thrashed by you again today. Uh, which I found amusing. No, nobody else. I found it amusing. I found it, I found it amusing. Um, I, 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 personally, I think you'd have beaten Federer. Yeah. But I mean, we said that married. pre-tournament, didn't we? But, but, I, but I also I, I did think a little bit, you know, come on. Don't be so nice. Yes. <laughs> I think so. You, I want you to want to kill the guy. I don't care that he's Roger Federer. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like the reverence. That the, and, and I don't know whether it's unique to this situation of the legends having been in the game so long that you do have these guys coming through that genuinely they have been just part of the fabric of their tennis being and they have been winning grand slams for the entirety of their of their lives for Matteo mm. Bertini you, pretty much you, for the life you that like you can the re- remember but I don't I just don't like it I don't like it when they say oh my god I just I can't wait to be on the same court as him no she likes the Medvedev yes. reverence where he says that and then he goes and beats the yeah. living daylight but he doesn't say that he doesn't say that <laughs> Medvedev that is totally not his style. Anyway, more on Medvedev later. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. How about Lorenzo Musetti, who lost in five sets today, well, four and a half sets, to Novak Djokovic after taking... The opening two sets, he led Novak Djokovic to the world number one, 19-year-old Lorenzo Musetti, playing in his first Grand Slam main draw. He took the opening two sets against Novak Djokovic, both of them on a tiebreak. He has never lost a tiebreak in his professional tour-level career. He went into that match 8-0 in tour-level tiebreaks. He's now 10-0. However, after that, the wheels came off in about as spectacular a fashion as it is possible for wheels to come off. The wheels were rolling down the hill into the sea <laughs> and then floating away in the, in, onto, into the, onto the horizon. Um, he lost the third set six games to one. He lost the fourth set six games to love. There was a point in the fourth set where a golden set for Novak Djokovic looked to be a possibility. Uh, I think it was it was for love before Lorenzo Musetti won a point in that fourth set. And then uh, Musetti took a medical timeout off court to the end of that fourth set, not quite sure what treatment he received. And then he played four games of the fifth set before retiring from the match at fall of down before we talk about that retirement uh, and the eventual outcome of the match let's talk about those opening two sets the two tie break sets that Lorenzo Mazzetti 19 years old won against Novak Djokovic because we knew Lorenzo Mazzetti was really really good and a fantastic talent before this he's he's not come from nowhere okay First Grand Slam main draw, but come on, everybody in tennis knew about Lorenzo Mazzetti. What has changed as a, re- as a result of those two sets about how we view Lorenzo Mazzetti? What did he show us that we haven't seen before? I think a lot because my expectations for this match were that it would not be close. I thought Djokovic would win in three pretty comfortable sets. I just didn't think Musetti was ready to challenge him properly. You know, I've seen him play Sitsipas this year and Sitsipas just looked like a better, stronger, more developed player. And I just thought that Djokovic would be able to nullify everything that Musetti would have to throw at him. So for him to win the first two sets two tie-break sets, and Djokovic is fantastic in tie-breaks. Certainly in recent years, he is, he's cracked the formula for how to play tie-breaks. But Mozetti went toe-to-toe with him and came out on top. So that's 
remarkable in in my mind. I think what I was most impressed with was, I mean, it's hard not to look at those incredible points that just leave you mouth wide open when he improvises out of nowhere and does something outrageous. Those are the points that stay in your mind. But I think what I was most impressed with was generally his ability to use his options. I think there were moments where he picked the wrong shot. Of course there were. But he has got a complex game that I think he understands how to use it and how to get the best out of it. And at 19, I think that is incredibly promising. There are lots of players who have lots of options who maybe never really figure out how to get the best out of it. But for two sets there, he did. And that didn't strike me as a fluke. I think he's got a chip return, which is so important to neutralize the rally. That's such a good starting point. He's got options on the backhand. The slice backhand Mm. is, I think, the best slice backhand we've seen come along in men's tennis for a while. It's it's a much better one than Sitsapass's, for example. And yeah, I mean, they're just there's just times where I just think, is he real? How is he doing this? <laughs> so some of the points he comes out with are outrageous. And I didn't think he had it in him to sustain it for as long as he did in those two sets. And I think, look, the mental and physical collapse that you talked about being linked, I, I completely agree with that. It, it, it was alarming how how sudden the drop off was, but I'm taking so many more positives from this match than negatives. He he's further along than I had realised. It was also a fantastic tactical performance because he had read the now well worn Gilles Simon playbook mm. playbook of taking on Novak Djokovic, hadn't he? Give him no pace into the forehand and. Boy, did that work! And it, and look, it has worked over the. That's it's not that well kept a secret that it it takes some some doing, I think, to pull it off. I think it requires that slice backhand that you described there, there, Matt. I think that's a, a massive tool in pulling that tactic off. But it was, yeah, it was, it was at points today a tactical masterclass from Mazzetti. Djokovic was really bamboozled, and for most of those two sets, his tactic was. Hope that this kid can't keep this up. Mm. I mean, we've talked about that forehand of Novak Djokovic, in particular with the rivalry with Nadal on clay. And that was something we speculated about after Rome. Does he struggle to create pace sometimes when you give him no pace, particularly on clay at the moment? And certainly in those first two sets, he was was not doing anything with that shot whatsoever. I mean... Hannah, I think, put it perfectly on Twitter that he literally went to the bathroom after the second <laughs> set and fetched his forehand because when he came out in in the second half of the match, he was able to dictate. So I think he still can, but he struggles with it perhaps more than he used to. And Mazzetti, Mazzetti really exploited that little chink in the Djokovic game, I think, in that in those first two sets. So then the wheels come off in, in alarming and and drastic and swift, swift fashion. As I said, he he was barely winning points after that. When asked about what happened after the match, he, he said, for starters on the match of the whole, he said, look, for me, it was a fantastic experience. I was playing my best tennis for sure. I have never played like today. The first two sets were really long, like two hours and... 
Of course, I'm a little bit disappointed, but I played against the world number one and I took him in the first two sets. I mean, he started to play really good and then I had some problems with my physical part. I think I have to work there. Of course, the match with Cecchinato, which was uh, the one in the previous round, was five sets, three hours and was really tough, was really intense. Maybe if I played like three sets instead of five today, it would be different. I mean, you cannot compare. I'm happy with this week and with the tennis that I've showed today. Then he was asked, did you have some kind of injury or was it just simply the physical toll of the match? And he said, no, 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 it's not an injury. It's just a little bit of cramps and a little bit of low back pain. It was not, en- I was not any more able to win a point and so it was not really, I decided to retire. There was no chance that I could win a point so I deti- decided to retire because I think it was the best thing to do it. Um, we have to make some allowances for the fact that he's a 19-year-old speaking in a second language. They're doing a heck of a good job of speaking in a second language. Um, but of course, that has to be factored in. What what do we make of those quotes? The fact that he's saying he didn't retire because he had no other option or because he was risking further injury uh, because he, or because he physically couldn't play on. He retired because he knew he had no hope of winning the match. What do we think about that? Well, I think he did have no hope of winning the match and I think he was done. And I have no problem with it whatsoever. I really don't. Um, he hit the wall. He hit the wall. He he beat a guy who got to the semifinals of the French Open in five sets as a 19-year-old in the previous round. That, for a start, is impressive. Then he's beaten, for two sets, he's beaten the world number one over two tie-break sets, well over two hours. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I mean, he, first point of the match was kind of what I expected. He loops a nice backhand cross court and then smacks a backhand winner down the line. And I'm thinking, here we go, Showboat City. This is going to be great <laughs> fun for about five games. Um, oh, I love Showboat and, City. Yeah, it was fun. It was great fun. That's what I thought I was getting with Lorenzo Massetti. I think I thought that's what he is really, but he's also a good player. I didn't think he was this. I mean, this was something else, really. For those two sets... Because he lived with Djokovic. He lived with him. And he was, as you say, very tactically astute. And he has the hands and the the foundation to his game in order to produce what he's got in his mind. And it's and you could see him just starting to figure out and feel the game of Djokovic and how to respond to it. And he was still kind of wrong-footed at times by the things that Djokovic can do that nobody else he's played can do. But he has enough in his reservoir of talent in order to kind of adjust as it's going along i mean as you say the improvisation in these ridiculous moments for him to win points that that are just not on but it was that's not the thing that impressed me the most about him what impressed me was the way his rallying ball was an equal of Djokovic's, and then he still has this acceleration this trigger pull that can hit winners and I, I went out for a sort of walk with the kids at about five all in the first set, and then we watched the tiebreak on my phone while we were out walking. We sat down for a bit and watched this tiebreak, and he wins the set. And, I'm, and I, we watched another five minutes, and I thought, the next time I look at my phone, it'll be three love Djokovic, is what I was thinking. And I turn on the phone, and it's two all. And it's re- really just interesting. I'm not watching the match, but I'm just sort of feeling the scoreline tick over and how he's staying with him. No, it wasn't too too well. I think there was a break early on and then a retrieved one in the second set. But anyway, he kept it on serve, um, gets the tie break, wins that set, 
and then you're thinking, right, well, this he's not blazing winners in in a in a, a whirlwind of adrenaline. That's not what this is. This is he is breaking Novak Djokovic down at his own game, and Djokovic was really tight for those two sets. He was bouncing the ball twenty times more than he normally does. He was. He said himself, you know, my arm wasn't really going through the ball. And then I started to loosen up when I was two sets down. It was quite interesting the way Djokovic managed the match. Um, and then you just saw Mazzetti just hit a brick wall of fatigue and whatever. He couldn't play anymore. And Djokovic also turned it on and started to, you know, you're right. He was waiting for this guy to go away and stop being this good. But that's also part of what makes him what he is. This ability to just manage these five set matches so hard to put away. Um, oh, I thought it was amazing. And and it, it give give this lad two years. It's his first ever Grand Slam. He's nineteen. Imagine what his what he's going to be like with the with the strokes he's got. Add that. Add a sort of physical constitution and training and match play over a couple of years to that. You could, we could have a hell of a player on our hands. Mm. I don't have any problem at all with, with with him falling away. I think it's perfectly natural. Yeah, he could have played maybe maybe played the other two games to give him the the, the drubbing at the end, but I don't really care. I agree with almost all of what you've said. Look, my my overriding feeling at the moment is positivity about Lorenzo Massetti. Absolutely, I was completely swept away with it. I agree with what Matt said. He's I knew he was great. He's further along than I thought, and he absolutely showed that today. Your analysis of of all the ways in which that was a, a breathtaking two sets of tennis, David, and, and not just in the, the showboating, glitzy ways, in sort of the, the run-of-the-mill ways as well. It was absolutely bang on. I just have a bit more of a problem with him not walking from side to side and completing those two games. Um, I don't love that. I get it. He's nineteen. I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold him. Hold it against him. I just wish he had. He had completed those two two games because he was physically able to, and it it wouldn't have cost him anything. Maybe I'm a boring old fashioned stickler. I just wish probably a bit I of a just teenager wish thing to do. Yeah, I, I, and, know, and sort of. Oh well, you are oh, forget. Yeah, yeah. look, he's nineteen, and to be fair, Djokovic was really sympathetic with him about it, and he. He was very self-reflective. He said, you know, look, when I was young, I had a lot of retirements um, in my early career. And he, he said, look, I really, really get it. Um, he had he cast no aspersions on uh, on Massetti's sportsmanship. So, look, I yeah, I I will not be holding it against him. I just. Yeah, I just I just wish he'd trudged from side to side. <laughs> for another what three and a half minutes uh, as the motions were gone through um how about the other two fourth round matches that we saw today uh we saw another 19 year old italian against a member of the big three yannick sinner against rafael nadal and i don't quite know how to sum this up was it a it was more <sighs> It was it was it was a reminder that Yannick Sinner is also nineteen, is also really really good, but also nineteen. That's how I felt about it. Whereas in our minds, Yannick Sinner is that bit further along than 
than Lorenzo Massetti and other 19-year-olds. And of course, in sort of the ticking off the milestone ways he is, he's reached a, an ATP Masters 1000 final this year, no less. But, you know, in terms of getting to Grand Slam quarters, semis and finals, he's he's got a bit of work to do. And the Djokovic and Nadal aren't going anywhere just yet. And there's work to do for these young guys. And he's still, at the end of the day, a really, really good 19-year-old. Mm. Yeah, it was a strange match. I think the only way Sinner was winning games in a row was when Nadal was off, which was what I was surprised about. Because when I've seen them play before, Sinner was going toe-to-toe with Nadal playing well. And I'm not sure he ever managed to do that today. I think conditions were different. They played last year at Roland Garros and it was a night. Well, technically it wasn't a night match, but it was a night match and it was cold and they played in Rome and it was late this year and it felt like a neutraliser. But today it was hot and sunny and the ball was jumping like Nadal wants. And whenever Nadal was playing well, he, he was way better than Sinner. I mean, way better. He was routining him in those games but he just had these slightly odd lapses in particular in the first set with his serve it just it just fell off for for two service games and Sinner broke him both times um and he was dropping his forehand a little bit short at times but I guess I thought Sinner would be able to hang with Nadal more than he was able Mm. to um but look not many people can hang with Nadal on <laughs> on court Philippe Chatre on a hot sunny day. So as you said, he is nineteen, there's more development to come. Um good performance yeah. from Nadal if he can just get rid of those lapses and I'm I'm confident he will. And it's getting hotter and sunnier. Mm. Nadal is liking the look of the weather forecast over the next few days, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I thought I mean, Sinner got the early break, didn't he? And he was he was blasting the ball early on, and then there was suddenly a moment where Nadal started to reach those big bombs that were coming at him, and just dug in to get his rhythm. And once he got his rhythm, and as you say, with the conditions, I mean, how is anybody going to stop him? How is any if the weather's it's going to be baking hot for the next five days in Paris? Good luck. <laughs> Um, will Diego Schwartzman stop him? No. <laughs> I have to ask. It's my job to ask. He's a brilliant player, Diego <laughs> Schwartzman. I love watching him play, and he beat Nadal in Rome at the end of last year, and he was absolutely, absolutely the worthy winner in that match. But then they played each other in Paris, didn't they? A couple mm. of weeks later, I think, or the week, yeah. And and this, these conditions, I don't know, no chance. <laughs> He um he won a straight set today, Schwartzman, seven six, six four, seven five against Jan Leonard Struff. He was five one forty fifteen down in the opening set. Uh and uh he was a breakdown in the second set and he and then in the third set he was he was up all the way. Uh I think he might even have had a double break. Mm, for uh, Lavi what for Lavi was and uh and Struff just came back at him and it, it it looked ropey there for a minute. So really weird straight sets match, far more equal um, than the scoreline suggests. And he was he was grinning from ear to ear after the victory and he was chuffed to bits and he was charming and lovely and played some just 
wonderful points. Um, but he's going to lose next <laughs> round. Um, but, but I'm I'm thrilled that he's looking like himself again. Yeah, Schwartzman. he's, he's, he's had a horrible clay court season, he, hasn't he? He's had some he's no. had some really quite dark defeats. I think not playing his best tennis at all, and and he's spoken about how you know yes he's he's very aware that he's privileged to be able to travel at the moment and to play. But my goodness, he has not spent a lot of time at home in in the mm. last nine months. I think he's basically had a month at home and otherwise he's been on the road. And I think that it takes a toll. Um, and maybe he's got over that now, got through that sort of slightly darker period and he just looks happier again and yeah mm. when he when he won the match he, he sort of cackled it, <laughs> it was unbelievable and he hit a passing <laughs> shot he just sort of burst out laughing it was it was amazing yeah, yeah but he's was... going to lose to Nadal <laughs> so 28 degrees and hot yeah. sun good luck Diego um, yeah so all, Schwartz all was losing to Nadal and uh, Berrettini will, might be probably losing to Djokovic don't know. We'll see. Uh, maybe less I of a full conclusion. Yeah, I think that could be a, yeah, think think could be so a really, too. really good match because yeah. the other thing is Berrettini. Maybe he's not as talented as Sinner and Mazzetti in the long run, just in terms of options. But he's a fully developed mm-hmm. man who is tough, yeah, and ready to rumble. He's going to go for it. Yeah, he um, likes to and rumble. It, whether he can. If he can keep it close, I think he's got a chance. If if he can if he could do what Massetti did in within those first two sets, that's what I was most impressed with. It I compared it to a sort of like a five thousand meter runner st- staying on the shoulder, you know, and um, that's what Berrettini needs to do. Mm. Yeah, those two matches will be in a couple of days' time. We also had Alfie Hewitt retaining. His French Open wheelchair singles title today, he beat the top seed Shingo Kaneda in straight sets. Uh, that's his fifth Grand Slam singles title for Alfie Hewitt. Uh, second title at this year's tournament because, of course, he he won the doubles title with Gordon Reed yesterday. Jordan Wiley and Yui Kamiji lost out in the women's doubles final to the top seeds. Here we go. Dida de Chut and Anik Van Koot. Wow. Yes, I I did my very, very best there. And I hope I've done uh, the Netherlands proud. Um, <laughs> the schedule for tomorrow. Mm, bone to pick with this. Well, pick your bone, Matt. Well, despite Medvedev's pleas for mm. support, Medvedev-Sitsipas is the night match. Absolute catastrophe. What are they thinking? Well, I, I know what they're well, thinking. Well, yeah, okay, we know. <laughs> They've had it paid for <laughs> by the TV rights holders. But, you know, it is a shame as a, as a spectacle to not have a crowd at a match like that. I mean, look, any other year, because I, I heard today as well that they are planning, I think Guy Forger said he, he, they want to move the night session forward oh, in future years. They've realised they've got it wrong. Yeah, they've got okay, that Okay, well, wrong. good on them for um, admitting that. So... And there will, you know, once there is a crowd in there, it's going to be amazing. Oh, totally. But the thought of not having one tomorrow night for that match is a real shame. All I can say is turn those court effect microphones up to max. 
Yeah. The well, only that, compensation is hearing all the sledging, all of it. Yeah. Put a microphone in both players' box boxes. Just we need to hear all of the uh, bullshit Russian chat that's happening. Um, so yeah, the full order of play for tomorrow starts on Philippe Chatrier. In fact, all of the singles action is on Philippe Chatrier from now on. Tomorrow is a Dansek against Dizanshek, isn't it? Uh, against Paula Bedosa up first, then Elena Rabakina up against Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, then not before 4pm local, Alexander Zverev taking on Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, and then not before 9pm, Grr, Stefanos Tsitsipas against Daniil Medvedev. Longlearn is doubles action. Kabal and Farah, the second seeds against Kravitz uh, and Tekau. That's a new pairing. Of course, Kravitz has won the title here before with uh, Andreas Mies, but uh, playing with Tekau this time. Pierre Rugebert, Nicolas Mou in doubles action against Tomislav Brukic and Nikola Kacic. Uh, and there is some mixed doubles action there as well, featuring Joe Salisbury. Uh, and what else have we got? We've got the Pliskovers in uh, women's doubles quarterfinals action against Barbora Krachikova and Katerina Siniakova. And if you want to see Iga Shrontek in women's doubles action alongside Bethany Matek-Sands, they are... Second on court, Simone Mathieu tomorrow up against Daria Jurak and Andrea Klipac. Um, so lots of interesting doubles action tomorrow on the schedule. That's it for your day nine French Open tennis podcast. <laughs> it's that Sunday start that throws me every time. I, my, it throws my maths off. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, of course. Uh, we'll have our mascots, Zeus, Rogue, Scouse or Mousel. I think no points anywhere today. No. Point point free zone. Uh, I should have lost points a, for mine. <laughs> apologies. <laughs> we'll all do better tomorrow. Billie Jean's had a whale of a time, so she's done better for Billie Jean King. Uh, Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer. He's a top bloke. Who are our shout-outs for, Matt? Stephen Blythe. All right, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. I can't think of it. <laughs> you, you can't think of a Stephen. Steve Johnson? Seagal. S- Steven Seagal, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that film? Uh, what was it called? Hard to Kill. I don't, like, David. Um, but I'm no. aware of the right. existence of Steven Seagal. And he was bloody hard to kill. Anyway, <laughs> Thank you, Stephen, for your support. Impossible, in fact. <laughs> Next up is Sam Tan. Oh, Hello. Right, Sam. Sam Tan. Yeah. I, Not like Allardyce, I bet please. he gets called Sam Tan the man. Yeah. Or it could be she, in which case it doesn't I, I work do. at all. Well, no. No. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Sam. And finally, Louise Whitehead. Right, Louise. Hello, Louise. I used to, my childhood neighbours were the Whiteheads. And there's an empire called Louise Engzel? Yes, there is. Is that right? Yes. Yep. So, you know, tennis link to finish on. (laughs) Thank you very much, (laughs) Louise. Thank you for listening. Uh, Tell your friends, leave us a a review. Most importantly, subscribe to the newsletter uh, because it's just, I cannot think of a single reason why you wouldn't want to do that. 
the research Matt has yeah. done for that today's stats. You can't believe there is my whole day. visual evidence <laughs> of the research Matt did for today's stats on our social media, and it is mind blowing. So, if you want that not to be for nothing, sub- subscribe to the GD newsletter, and uh, we'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow. Thanks for listening. 